You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We are continuing our series entitled Redefined. We are on the, this 16-week series. We are already on week 15. Can you imagine that? It's been a while since I preached in the adult services, but I really didn't mind because I've been enjoying sitting and listening to all of our pastors as they guide us through the Sermon on the Mount. Through the preachings for the past 14 weeks, the Lord has really been speaking to me, and He has been changing my heart for other people. He has been changing the way I view things, the way I interact with other people. And it's really, it's really a beautiful series. I'm quite sad that it's ending uh, two weeks to go. And we're already on that part where Jesus challenges uh, the crowds on whether what their decision would be. You know, when we talk about the Sermon on the Mount, at the end of this sermon, it says that the crowds... The people were all amazed. The people were all astonished after Jesus taught because they haven't seen anyone teach with such command, with such authority, with such wisdom and clarity. And I pray that today it would be the same for all of us. Not because I'm preaching, but because, you know, we know that the Word of God, the words of Jesus will continue to speak to us and in our lives and we believe that it will transform us. Now, back in the day, The Jews, they were astonished and amazed because it was so refreshing for them to hear Jesus. They were so used to hearing the Pharisees, the self-righteous teachers who were so strict. They taught that the only way to enter the kingdom of heaven was through the perfect observance of the Old Testament laws. They made it practically impossible for anyone to enter the kingdom of heaven, except for themselves, of course. The Pharisees thought that they were doing a good job. The Pharisees thought that, hey, we're doing it. We can enter the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about you guys. But here's what Jesus did. He redefined the way people thought. He took the Old Testament laws and he raised it to an even higher standard than what the Pharisees were doing. To show the Pharisees that, hey, you self-righteous people, you cannot earn your way into heaven. You cannot perform your way. You cannot do just good works to be able to get a ticket to heaven. It is impossible. And in truth, for all of us, it is impossible apart from God. But wait, Jesus offers a way through Him, of course. And in this part of the sermon, after Jesus presented everything, the past 14 weeks we've been hearing what Jesus was saying about how a Christian should live. And it's really overwhelming. But he was giving us an option. He was saying that, hey, you can continue trusting in yourself, trusting in your own good works, or you can start trusting in me and receiving the righteousness that is needed to enter the kingdom of heaven. It was really make up your mind time for the the people, for the crowds. And as we really approach the closing of this series, you know, we are sad, but we are excited because we know that we have a lot of things that we can apply in our lives. Now, Jesus was challenging them. And today, if you are here, if you are listening to this preaching, even in the podcast, we better get ready because Jesus will challenge us as well today. And the decision that we need to make, we have to carefully consider it. We have to really think about it because the choice that we make will affect not only our lives here on earth, 
but our lives for eternity. So that being said, I'd like to invite everyone to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, verses 12 to 23. It says in verse 12, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the deceased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a deceased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your presence in this place. And we thank you for this opportunity to come together to study your word, to get to know you in a deeper way. Holy Spirit, thank you because we know that you will be our teacher today. Be the one to move in our midst. Be the one to open our hearts and open our minds. Transform us to become the people that God has called us to be. Thank you that you will bless the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Redefined Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most famous sermon. And today, we're going to talk about entering the kingdom of God. How does one really receive eternal life? What is the sure path to take to get to heaven? You know, when these questions are asked, a lot of people speculate. A lot of people think they know. But only a few are really sure. And trust me, today we want to be sure. The last verses in those passages, it is quite scary if you think about it. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He says in verse 21. That means that there are people who think that they know Jesus, who call him Lord, who declare that he is their Lord, but then they do not really know him. There are people who think they are going to heaven. They come to church like us, but then they won't really go. Are we really sure where we're going? These are things that we don't want to leave to chance. We want to be sure. And today, as we go back to the Word, as we allow God to speak to us, I believe that no one will leave this place unsure of where He is going as long as we respond to the invitation of Jesus Christ. Now, we are, as we read the verse we saw, they were talking about paths and ways. And when we talk about paths, when we talk about ways, we usually want the shortest, the easiest, the fastest, the most convenient, the non-hassle way going to a certain location or getting things. Maybe that's why we all love ways so much. It leads us to our locations the best way possible. But as a Waze user, 
I know that the best way, arguably the best way possible, is not always the easiest and the smoothest. Because ways has sent me to roads that were too narrow, that were too small for my car. Ways has sent me to dark places where, you know, you will have to double check if you have locked your doors because there's, it's scary. Ways has brought me to roads that I thought I was driving through the moon because there, it was full of craters, it was really rough. But I still kept going. I even experienced my car getting scratched because the road was too narrow. I'm not blaming Waze, it was me. But then I continued to press on because I believe that Waze, you will lead me to the right way. And indeed, I reached my location the best way possible. So as we make the decisions that we are going to make today, and even after this, let us remember that the best way getting somewhere is not always the easiest. I had to make another decision earlier this week. I noticed the past couple of months that my pants were getting extra tight. I like them tight, but not to the point where they look like leggings already. So, you know, I always blamed it on the washing machine and on the dryer. I was saying, you know, it's shrinking my pants. Maybe we should think of other ways to dry it and to wash it. But then the other day, I actually stepped on a weighing scale. And I was surprised with what I saw. And I kept asking the per- my friend with me, is this weighing scale accurate? Because I couldn't believe what I saw. From my usual 175 pounds, I now weigh 200 pounds. How and when I gained that 25 pounds, I do not know. I blame the people here in the office for bringing food. I want to lose weight. I want to fit into my clothes. The way is clear. What do I need to do? I need to exercise. Now, I believe a lot of us here want to lose weight. Yes? But not a lot of us want to exercise. Yes? Why? Because it's hard. Because... You know, I will sweat. Oh, I don't want to sweat because it's so, you know, it's so inconvenient. I will get tired. It requires effort. It requires time. It requires sacrifice. It requires, you know, a a change in lifestyle. So what do we do? We look for easier routes. We take, you know, crash diets, weight loss pills. Some even resort to liposuction. But, you know, we want the fast route. We believe that even with these easy ways, the shortcuts, nothing will ever substitute for exercise. So I know what I need to do. I want to lose weight. I need to exercise. I need to make adjustments. I need to sacrifice. And that was what Jesus was, in essence, saying to the people. People were asking, what is the way to heaven? And Jesus was saying, I know the way. I am offering it to you. It's not easy. It's going to take sacrifice, but it's worth it. He says in verse 13 and 14, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So as we launch into this section of the Sermon on the Mount, it actually starts with the golden rule. Do unto others what you want others to do unto you. After everything was presented, and you know, it, it kind of gives us that picture that we always have a choice. We always have a choice to do good or evil to the people around us. And for this next uh, part of the Sermon on the Mount, it's all about choices that we need to make in this life. And Jesus gives us different pictures. For this 
For this, he gives us the picture of a gate. He gives us two gates. He gives us two ways. He gives us two destinations. Now, what is our choice? The wide gate or the narrow gate? Both promise life. Both promise paradise. Both promise heaven. But Jesus was very clear in the verse, only one gate leads to life. The other one leads to death. This may be a surprise for some. Because just like the Jews, we've always been taught that the way to heaven is through religion. And with all the religions out there, we would expect not only two gates, but like a lot of gates where we can choose, you know, oh, I'll choose this religion because it's more convenient. Oh, I'll choose this religion because it fits my lifestyle. Oh, I'll choose this religion because it allows me to go on living in sin. I'll choose this religion because it makes me feel good. I'll choose this religion because their sanctuary is air-conditioned. I don't know. But, you know, Jesus was breaking this mindset. He made it clear in this sermon. The entrance to heaven is obtained through relationship not through religion. This is the recurring theme in the Sermon on the Mount. Breaking mindsets of religiosity. Shifting our focus from what we can do, what we should do, to what Jesus Christ was going to do for the case of the Jews and to what Jesus Christ has already done in our case. Last week, Pastor Ariel discussed about asking, seeking, and knocking. Knocking and the door will be opened. And the door is actually Jesus Christ. This week, it's no different. The narrow gate is actually Jesus Christ. And all those who choose to focus on religion, all those who choose to, you know, continue working for their entrance to heaven, continue working for righteousness, they are choosing the wide gate. When we talk about entrance to heaven, we know that it talks about righteousness. The righteousness needed to be able to enter heaven. And Jesus Christ was very clear. Not a dot, not an iota will pass until the law is fulfilled and no one can fulfill the law. So all our attempts, you know, choosing ourselves, choosing anything other than Jesus Christ to enter heaven, all the other religions, that means we are choosing the wide gate. The wide gate that is full of a lot of options. The wide gate where we can choose what we want. The narrow gate, on the other hand, is choosing Jesus to receive the righteousness that he gives. The righteousness, the only righteousness that can satisfy the requirement of God. But it will require us to, you know, humble ourselves and really acknowledge that I am nothing apart from Jesus. I cannot save myself. I need a Savior. And I know that the only way to be able to enter heaven is to trust in him alone. That is the only way that leads to life. The wide gate, sadly, although many people choose it, we all know that it leads to death. No matter how inviting it is, no matter how fun it looks, no matter how many people are there, sadly, it leads to destruction. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. The narrow gate doesn't look too inviting, but then again, we know that that is the only way, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way to enter the kingdom of God. That is why it is a narrow gate. Because there's no other option. The only option is to believe in Jesus Christ. There are no alternate routes. There are no other shortcuts. Jesus Christ is not only the best way. He is the only way. 
Now, this might seem like, you know, a hard teaching for some people. Other people might think, oh, he's so arrogant. It's like saying that the other people won't get to heaven. I will not change the truth. This is what the Bible says. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. It is only through Jesus Christ that we truly can enter heaven. And yes, it may sound exclusive. Oh, so you're saying that only you guys will enter heaven. It's only your church. No, we're not talking about church here. We're talking about something personal, making that decision. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus. So if that's how we view it, then yes, it is exclusive because it is what the Bible says. But let us not forget that this gate is also inclusive. This gate is open to anyone who would want to enter it. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him, whoever would choose to enter the narrow gate, shall not perish but have eternal life. Yes, it is exclusive, but then it is inclusive. Now that we know that the wide gate, the inviting and exciting gate leads to death, and the narrow gate leads to life, how come we have a difficult time deciding which one to enter, knowing that the narrow gate is the one that leads to life? Just like exercise, because it will require sacrifice. It, requ- it will require a change in our lifestyle. Going back to religion and relationship, when we talk about religion, we have the upper hand. We can decide what we want to believe. We can decide what we need to do, when we need to do it, how we want to do it. We can even tweak the commandments, you know, to fit our own preference. It's easy. We can manipulate it. Religion, relationship, on the other hand, is a more complicated thing. When you talk about relationship, you have to constantly consider the other person. Whatever you think, before you say anything, before you do anything, you have to consider the other person. And you have to constantly make changes. You have to adjust. You have to make sacrifices, no matter how inconvenient it is for all of us, just to, you know, for the sake of the other person. And that's hard. Maybe that's the reason why a lot of people don't want to get into a relationship nowadays. Because people have become selfish. We want to do things our way and we don't want to adjust for anyone else. That's why people, they tend to settle for, you know, one-night stands or flings to get the benefits of being in a relationship. But where does that take them? Nowhere. Relationship, on the other hand, yes, it's difficult. But as you go through life with the other person, as you face challenges, and look back at how much you've overcome, you can say that, yes, it was worth it, no matter how difficult it is. And if we can say that for our friends, our relationship with our friends, with your spouses or with anyone else, how much more our relationship with Jesus Christ, our relationship with Jesus, that brings life eternal. And it is something that I believe we all need. And the way to get it is clear. Do we want eternal life? Of course we do. 
And the way to get it, Jesus says, enter the narrow gate. It is a command. We can't just stand in front of the gate and admire it. Oh, it looks nice. We can't just point to it when it's necessary. We need to make that active decision, that commitment to walk through that gate. Now the question, are we willing to enter it? Knowing that from the verse, as we enter the narrow gate, the way is hard. Wide gate, it's an easy road. As we look back, we remember, you know, as we enter the narrow gate, it's us committing to follow Jesus Christ. It's us accepting Him as our Savior and our Lord. It's following His way. And as we look back at what we studied at the beginning of this series, it says that following Jesus won't be an easy path. Matthew 5, 10 to 12 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Choosing to follow Jesus, choosing righteousness. It's the unpopular decision, the unpopular choice. It will mean that we will go against what is accepted, what is expected of us according to the worldly standards. And as we do that, it will irk people, it will annoy people. We will be persecuted. We will be mocked. And sadly, not only by strangers, sometimes even by our families, by our friends. But if you're here and if you're experiencing that and you're asking, Lord, why is this happening? It is part of what we signed up for. It is not an easy path. Knowing that, what are we to do? The next verse is quite funny. It says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Why do we rejoice? Why are we glad? Because whatever the challenges are, whatever challenges we face, we know that this road ultimately leads to life. The only way that we will quit on a difficult road is when we think that we're headed nowhere. But we know that we are headed for life. That's why we are willing to take the sacrifices. You know, earlier this week, I went to Divisoria with a friend. And my friend was getting annoyed because, you know, it was very crowded. He had to squeeze in and, you know, people were bumping, bumping him and it was so hot already. And he was getting frustrated. But I told him, you know, we want to get cheap things, which look good, by the way. We want to get cheap things. Therefore, that's our goal. That's why we need to press on. We need to do this. We can't get frustrated. We know where we're going, so we will power through this road. That is essentially what, what Jesus is saying here. We can rejoice because we can look forward, even with, with whatever struggles and persecutions we have, we can look forward to that reward in heaven. And then it says here, the prophets who came before us were also persecuted. We get to share in the same mission that they, they started. When we talk about prophets, who do, we, who do we remember? We remember the likes of Joseph who chose to follow God and ended up being imprisoned and enslaved for years. We remember the likes of Moses who chose to follow God. And then he circled the wilderness for 40 years, leading a bunch of grumblers. And even after this preaching was, was uh, delivered, 
We remember the likes of Peter who chose to follow Jesus. What happened to him? He was crucified upside down. We remember the likes of Stephen who chose to follow Jesus. Then he was stoned to death. And Jesus himself, he suffered the most painful, the most humiliating death because he chose to follow God. That is the narrow way. Who wants to sign up for it? Nervous laughter. No one does. Let's admit it. No one would want to sign up for a life like that. But then we remember, you know, when we look back, we see the effect that their sacrifices had. God's name was glorified and lifted high. God's power was displayed. Many people were saved. And it says here, they were rewarded in heaven. Eternal reward, which is nothing compared to the rewards that we have here on earth. Temporary rewards. Which is better? We look forward to that reward in heaven. What is a couple of years or even a lifetime of sacrifice knowing that we will spend eternity with this great reward, being with our Father in heaven? The narrow path, you know, following Jesus is not easy but definitely worth it. As we take the narrow path, as we face all these difficulties, it is the only way that will bring us inexplicable joy in our hearts, unexplainable fulfillment, because it is only through this road where we can truly fulfill the purposes which God has set out for us. It is through this road where we will truly know that, hey, I am fulfilling what God created me to do. Jesus never kept it a secret. Following him would be difficult. Matthew 16, 24 to 25, he says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This verse talks about dying to oneself, letting go of our worldly dreams, ambitions, denying ourselves of our earthly desires. talks about facing challenges and enduring trials with Christ-like patience, living a life that is separate from the world. Hence, the picture of the narrow gate. Because for us to enter the narrow gate, we have to let go of all of these things. Everything that we are carrying on our backs, to be able to fit in that road, we have to drop everything. Our sin that weighs us down. Things that we believe will earn us Uh, entrance to heaven like our pride, our own good works, our achievements. We have to let go of our comfort. I saw this picture on the internet. And this is a picture of taking the narrow gate. We really need to give up a lot of things to be able to prioritize Jesus. Once we enter the narrow gate, it is no longer about our convenience. It is about following the will of God in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way to enter the kingdom of God. It is not the most convenient gate. It is not the most welcoming gate. But this is the only gate. This is the only way that leads to heaven. And you know, the good thing about this is, yes, it may be a difficult path. We may go through a lot of ups and downs. But Jesus already went ahead of us. He already took that narrow path and made sure that everything that we will come across, He has already won the victory over that. 
So it takes away the fear. We talk about these things, it's scary. It makes us question, do I really want to follow God? With all that difficulty, trust me, we do want to follow Him because it is the only way that leads to heaven. And this might come as a surprise for some because some of us have been hearing a different version of the gospel. Accept Jesus Christ, follow Him, and all of your problems will disappear. Accept Jesus Christ and follow Him, and He will give you everything you need. Accept Jesus Christ, follow Him, you will be rich. Accept Jesus Christ, follow Him, He will give you everything you ask for. Sounds good, right? It sounds encouraging, it sounds exciting. Unfortunately, it's not the truth. Now that we know what the Bible says, it is so important for us to know that. Because what we believe will determine in the end where we will go. And it's important for us to make that informed decision. It's important for us to know the, the real facts, to understand what we are believing. We can't just take everything at face value. And Jesus warned us that people will come to confuse us, to distract us, to lead us to the other path. They will come with lies, with false promises. He says in Matthew 7.15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. He has a new picture that he gives us. Sheep and wolves. People will come. People with malicious agenda. Promoting themselves, but dressed as sheep. They will look like one of us. They will talk like one of us. They will talk like they are innocent, like they care, like they mean well. But behind that, they are after something. Fame. Probably money. But yeah, the enemy will send people to confuse us. And we see a lot of those people nowadays. People who present, again, a skewed version of the gospel. Accept Jesus. You can go on sinning because He is very forgiving and loving. He will forgive you. You can sin as much as you want because His grace abounds. You're feeling guilty for your past sin? Why don't you give two times what you give in the offering basket to pay for your guilt? And, you know, I'll just continue living your life because, you know, in truth, Jesus loves everyone so much. He won't allow anyone to go to hell, so all of us will go to heaven. You can live your life the way you want to. And some people even, you know, claim that they are the promised Messiah. People worship them and give them gifts. And sadly, a lot of people are tricked. A lot of people fall for it. And again, it won't be obvious that they're lying. That's why we always need to be alert. And I'm not just talking about preachers here. I'm talking about the blogs that we read. I'm talking about the books that we read. Are they really guiding us towards a good relationship with Jesus Christ? Or is it diverting our attention? I received a book uh, a couple of years ago, and it teaches us to just keep thinking of positive things, keep thinking of good things, and it will happen. Sounds very practical, right? But where's the faith there? Not everything that is encouraging, we will accept. It says in 2 Timothy 4.3, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. That is what's happening right now. People choose who to listen to depending on who will say what they want to hear. That's why we hear a lot of preachers, we hear a lot of churches who say, oh, you know, same-sex marriage, that's perfectly fine. We accept it here. Come. We will marry you. 
Or, oh, oh, it's okay. You guys are already engaged. You're living together. You're sleeping together. That's fine. You're practically married. It sounds so good, but then again, we know that it is not the truth. So how can we make sure that we don't fall into that trap? Jesus says, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the deceased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a deceased tree bear good fruit. So another set of pictures, there's a good tree and a bad tree. There's good fruit and bad fruit. How are we going to distinguish the false prophets from the real ones? By their fruit, by their character, and by their teachings. So let's check their character. Are they reflecting the character of Jesus Christ? Do they have the same love and compassion for other people, even the unlovable? Do they exhibit the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, patience, self-control. But then again, character is not the only thing we check because they are sheep. Uh, They are wolves in sheep clothing, so we won't recognize it on the onset. So we check their teaching. Are their teachings aligned with the Bible? Do they promote Jesus or do they promote themselves? Is it Christ-centered or man-centered? And then we check the effect of their teachings. What happens to the people who hear their teachings? Are they transformed? Are they closer to God? Do they have a deeper knowledge of the Word? Or are they just tickled and entertained? No transformation happens. I live my life the way I want to. For us to be able to know all of these things, it's so important that we go back to the Word, that we know who Jesus Christ is. We go, still go back to our relationship with Jesus. You know, before, I encountered a lot of people who were trying to destroy friendships. And people would actually come to me and say, you know, your friend said this bad thing about you. And because I know my friend, I know that he couldn't say that. So I would say to that person, those are not the words of my friend. I know it for sure because he's not like that. That's the same thing with Jesus. If we know him, even if people come and say that they are speaking God's word, we would know that those words are not from Jesus Christ. Knowing Jesus keeps us from losing our way. That is why we encourage everyone to continue growing in your knowledge of the word, in your relationship with Jesus Christ, not just every Sunday, but every day. We don't prohibit you from opening your Bibles and reading them. In fact, we highly encourage it. Study the word for yourselves. Allow Jesus to speak to you. And after that, you can discuss what you have learned to other people to check if you really understood it correctly. Where can you do that? In victory groups, in our foundations class, in victory weekend. You know, we announce these things, we promote it, not just because it's beneficial for us. In truth, the reason why we encourage everyone to go through it is because we ourselves have experienced its benefits and we would want everyone to experience that as well. Let's give God praise. We need to make sure that we believe the right teachings by going back to the Word. And the same measure, actually, that we have used to check on this false prophet should be the same measure that we use to ourselves as well. It says, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. If we check our lives, are we producing good fruit? Are we producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Are we the good tree or the bad tree? Here's the thing. We can never produce fruits on our own. 
We can never fabricate fruits. The only fruit that we can make are the plastic fruits that you put in the middle of your tables so that it would last longer. But we cannot produce good fruit on our own. It is simply a byproduct of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We go back to the relationship. We don't force it upon ourselves. As we take that narrow path, as we choose to follow Him, the the good fruit would naturally come out. And when you read this verse, other people might ask, I thought I wasn't going to be judged by my works. I thought it was based on my relationship with Jesus Christ. How come we are talking about the fruits here? The fruits are not our ticket to heaven. It's still our relationship with Jesus Christ. But the fruits will support our claim that we indeed follow Him and believe in Him. We are doing what He is asking us to do. That's the purpose of the fruits. And we continue reading on. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. There is nothing more painful and more annoying than receiving a text message saying, Who you? And the last thing that we would want in this lifetime is for Jesus to say, Who you? Be, this, these verses simply mean that, you know, people can come to church. People can lift up their hands and worship God. People can serve in, in the volunteer ministries. People can lead victory groups. People can give tithes and offerings. But then in the end, miss the whole point. Why are we doing all of these things? Is it simply a product of our relationship or are we doing all these things to enter the kingdom of heaven? Sometimes we think we are already on the narrow path. But then when we look back, we haven't actually entered the narrow gate. And that is the way to heaven. We need to enter the narrow gate. We need to stop trusting in ourselves. We need to stop trusting in our own good works. And just really put everything, all of our trust in Jesus Christ. Entrance to heaven, again, is obtained through relationship, not through religion, not through works. You can boast about doing all of these things for God, but if the motives are wrong, then there's something wrong there. And you know, as I was preaching this morning, I had this heavy feeling inside of me after saying all of these things. I was distracted. I didn't know what was happening. But then I thought maybe that heavy feeling was the feeling of the Jews when they were hearing all of these teachings made by the Pharisees. Because it will really bring you to a point where you know you think you're hopeless, you think nothing good will ever happen. And in truth, before Jesus Christ came, there was only one way, and that was the wide gate, the wide path that leads to destruction. There wasn't any way going to heaven. But here's the good news. Jesus came. He fulfilled the righteousness that we needed to get to heaven. Therefore, opening the narrow gate, opening the way for all of us. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. At this point in the Sermon on the Mount, he was inviting the crowds, enter the narrow gate, trust in me. And he says in John 10, 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. This is a very scary topic to discuss, especially when it ends with uncertainty. But today we thank God because He sent Jesus Christ. 
and He is our assurance. As we enter a relationship with Him, as we submit to Him, stop trusting in ourselves and start trusting in Him, we can be sure of our eternal destination. Whatever happens, whatever difficulties we face, we know we can power through it because we have Jesus Christ on our side. The moment we start entering that narrow gate, everything that happens in our lives, He is with us and He promises that we have already won the victory. That's why we continue going down that road. Right now, with all heads bowed down and all eyes eyes closed, I'd just like to pray for a certain group of people. For people who are still unsure. Today, Jesus gives us a decision. And there's no or. You can't say that I can't decide yet because the moment you say that, the moment that you do not enter the narrow gate, you're automatically choosing the broad gate. So today, Jesus is inviting us enter the narrow gate, the narrow gate which leads to life eternal. All you have to do is to surrender your life to me, to Jesus Christ, and He will be the one to take care of everything. If that is you right now, if you are saying, I am ready to enter the narrow gate, I am ready to choose the difficult path, with all heads bowed down and all eyes closed, why don't you just lift up your hand right now? Thank you for that hand. Praise God. Again, there's no need to feel ashamed. This is the best decision that you're going to make your entire life. This decision will impact our address for eternity. Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. He's inviting you to trust in Him. If that is you, why don't you just lift up your hand? Last call. Do not make Jesus wait. Tomorrow may be too late. He's knocking on the door of your heart right now. At the count of three, if you want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, if you want to enter the narrow gate, just lift up your hand. One, two, three. Praise God. Why don't we just give God praise for that? Now, if you are one of those people who lifted your hand, I don't mean to put you on the spot right now, but I would just like to pray with you and pray for you. So if you lifted up your hand, I would like to invite you to this simple prayer. Just follow after me. We will invite Jesus Christ in our lives. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your great love for a sinner like me. I acknowledge that I have sinned against you and I am asking for forgiveness. Thank you for coming down from heaven to pay for my sins and to die the death that I should have died. From this day on, I declare that you are my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and thank you for the eternal life that only you can give. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we just give God praise? Before we leave, I'd just like to pray for a certain group of people. There are people here who have entered the narrow gate, who are currently going through that narrow path. And you may feel that it's kind of a little bit too much and it's something that you cannot handle on your own. Facing persecutions, facing challenges and trials. And you are saying right now that, you know, Jesus, I need you right now. I need your strength. Can you just lift up your hand right now? Lord Jesus, you see the hands of your people. Lord, we thank you because we know that we have you in our lives. We know that you are by our side. We know that you have already won the victory over every trial that we will ever face. Forgive us for sometimes we fear. Forgive us for sometimes we let the situation take control. But today we thank you for your reminder that you are in control, that you have already gone before us. And my prayer is that you fill the hearts of your people with faith. Faith to get through these situations. Lord Jesus, we thank you because we know that as we go through all of these trials, Lord, you will be the one to supply us with joy and you will be the one to see us through. Thank you for your people who have decided to surrender their lives to you. And Lord, we pray as our hands are lifted high that you continue to use us for your glory. Maybe a difficult path, oh Lord God, but we know that it's worth it because it's the only path where we can really say that we are following you. Bless us during this whole week. Give us that hunger to just come to you, study your word and develop our relationship with you. Go deeper. Thank you so much that as we continue to seek you, you will reveal yourself. You will reveal your will. Thank you so much, oh Lord God. Bless your people even as we go home. We give you back all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. God's people say, amen.